You're listening to a podcast from Victory. A life of giving has eternal impact. No more in week four of the fine line. We are about to end our series on finances, which is entitled Fine Line. Everybody say Fine Line. Fine. How many of you are enjoying this series so far? Yes. Are you learning something? Yes. All right, that's good to hear. And, uh, you know, when you talk about finances, it is a unique kind of a series because we're not really talking about how to have more money, although that's important, right? How many of you wish you have more money? Ako lang ba yun? Sige, sino si inyo? Lord, kunin mo ng picture yung mga nagtataas ang kamay. Tapos bigyan mo ng surprise ngayong Pasko. Now, how many of you wish you have more money? There's no problem there. How many of you wish that you are more blessed with finances? More blessed so that you can be a blessing, right? And so that's really the attitude. I'm so glad to hear your response. It's not just about being blessed. It's not just about having a lot or of money. But it's being blessed so that you and I can be what? A blessing. And so that we can actually uh, enrich other people's lives. And so we're dealing really with the attitudes on finances. And we've been talking about this for the past three weeks. And today's the fourth week. First week we talked about greed. Everybody say greed. I know that uh, none of us would actually admit that we're greedy, but the antidote to greed is contentment. And if we are content and grateful uh, with, our, you know, with what we have, I believe that you know, God, is, God will be pleased. And it's not about us not aspiring anymore or not praying for big things, but really, I believe that God wants us to pray. Amen. But God wants us also to check in our hearts because the Bible says, Jesus said this, Guard your heart against all kinds of covetousness or greed. And so, yes, He wants to bless, but at the same time, He wants us to guard our hearts. In fact, next year, by January, we're starting once again our annual prayer and fasting. Five days of prayer and fasting. And the theme for the next year's fast is audacious faith, dare to believe. How many of you are believing for great things for 2016? Come on now. Amen. And so, we are, you know, Pulling our faith together, we're going to pray, we're going to ask the Lord. You know, the theme for next year is really just having an audacious faith. Stepping out of the boat, asking the Lord to meet us, you know, in our, in our line of faith. And I believe that you and I will be experiencing miracles next year. Amen. And so part of what we're doing, why we're doing this is so that we can be ready. So that we can be prepared so that when the blessings do come, that the blessings will not destroy us. So we can have a constant check. The second week, we talked about uh, false security and how we are not supposed to put our hope on riches or on wealth, which is so uncertain, but we are supposed to put our hope on who? On God. Everybody say, on God, who richly blesses us with everything for our enjoyment. And so we talked about that uh, two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about greed. Oh, sorry, selfishness. Selfishness. hindi ako selfish. And so we talked about being generous. We talked about generosity last week. And we talked about how we can actually enrich other people. And that part of the good things or the goodness that we can actually share does not come from us, but it really comes from the Lord Himself. And so we're going to be looking today at another aspect of finances, which is really not like the normal sermon that you will hear on finance, we're going to look at temporal versus eternal. Seeing things in the natural versus seeing things in the supernatural. Now, I I believe that God Himself has entrusted to us His resource. You know, God is the owner of all things. And the best way for us to have this perspective, this eternal perspective, and how can we be freed from greed? How can we be content? How can we have security? How can we have generosity? I believe the ultimate way for us to have these three things is so that we have eternal perspective. Everybody say eternal perspective. That God is ultimately the owner of all things. Okay? You know, the Bible says, actually, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and even the hills under those cattle, right? So he owns everything. The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. How many of you are in the earth? Wala ka sa moon, okay? Wala tayo sa Mars. And you know, basically what the scripture is saying is, he has established ownership. 
upon all the things that we think we own, the car that you drive right now is not yours. The bank account that reflects your name is not yours. The house that you live in is not yours. Yes, pastor, I'm just renting. It's not mine, okay? Philosopher talaga tama tanga tao, di ba? But, you know, the reality is he has not changed his ownership to us. If we are not the owner, we are what? Managers. Everybody say manager. Or stewards. He has entrusted to us these things. And so, as we look at, you know, the things that we have, and how many of you own something? You know, you have, you have, you know, clothes on your. How many of you are wearing something today? Okay, you own something. Come on now. Hindi mo hiniram yan sa kapit bahay mo, right? You know, you own something. You own a piece of jewelry. You own a watch. You own, uh, you know, your shoes. Okay, we we seemingly own something, but yet in reality, these are all uh, things that God has allowed us to use for a while so that we can advance His kingdom. And so. My prayer is that in this next few minutes that we will have together, that we will have a better perspective on how we can actually use the things that are entrusted to us for the glory of God. And so I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from the same text, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. I know that every week we're focusing on one verse, but today since it's the last day or the last of the series, we're going to be looking at the three verses, 17 18, and 19. What I did was, I actually put this on the keynote so that we can all read this out loud, okay? We're reading from the ESV version. Can you join me as we read? One, two, three. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word. We ask that you would open up our hearts. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as our counselor, as our guide, as our teacher. And I thank you that you would illuminate your word, that it will change the way we think, it will change the attitude of our hearts towards possession. And I thank you, Lord God, that we will use the very things that you have entrusted to us for your glory. This we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. As we talk about eternity and temporal things, you know, you can't help talking about heaven. Now, how many of you are certain that you are going to heaven? Not right now, but someday, okay? Okay, go ahead. Raise your hand. How many of you are certain, you're sure, I'm going to heaven? Great, okay? Because we know that heaven is not a figment of one's imagination. Okay, it is a promise given to us by, by, by the Lord Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 14, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going ahead so that one day you will follow me. So uh, it's... It's about him preparing those rooms. And in my father's house are many rooms. He's describing what heaven is all about. Okay? We see glimpse of that in the scripture, even in the book of Revelation about heaven. And I hope that we will have a proper attitude when you talk about eternal things. I know that sometimes it's hard because we're so consumed about the here and the now. We're consumed about what do I eat tomorrow? Or how do I pay the bills? Or how do I pay my rent? Or how do I buy the Noche Buena? Okay? Uh, maybe some of us are actually grateful because we've already received our 13th month pay, right? And it came to pass. It just came and it passed, right? And so, you know, but nonetheless, we are grateful. And we're so concerned about that. But I hope that we would actually take a different vantage point and, and see that the reality is the things that are more permanent are the things that you don't see. You may actually think that you have a lot of money, but the reality is that is temporary. What is eternal is what is permanent. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy to teach those who are rich and those who desire to be rich. Because money is actually fleeting. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And I think 
For those of you who have handled wealth for a while, how many of you know that sometimes wealth can be so slippery? Kakahawak mo lang, biglang dumulas. Napadaan ka lang sa H&M, dumulas. Parang ganun, ano? Yung parang, wow. Or, you know, iba sa inyo talaga. Mamaya, pastor, pupuntahan ko. But anyway, so, so it's, it's so temporary. And God wants us to focus on the eternal things. I'd like to read from uh, the NIV version. It says, verse 18, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, how many of you are alive today? You brought your body with you. You're not a walking dead, right? You're here. You're, you're alive. You have body, soul, spirit, diba? You know, and, and sometimes you would define life, you know, this is the life, you know, because I'm happy, you know, I, I have friends, you know, I have money, I, you know. But is that the real life that this is describing about? Is that what life is? The life that is truly life. By the way, I want to just clarify that the way to receive eternal life is not by doing verse 18. It's not by doing good works, right? The Apostle Paul, when he said, command him to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share, in this way they will lay a treasure for themselves. It's not talking about them having eternal life after doing these things. Amen. Because how do you get eternal life? Through Christ alone. Through grace, by faith. Amen. In what Jesus Christ did on the cross, right? Not by doing good works. But the reason why we're doing this is because you and I as believers, we are laying up our, for ourselves treasures in heaven. So we're actually, you know, depositing in the account of heaven. So I hope that we get to understand the difference between the two, okay? Now, I'm going to be talking about having an eternal mindset. How, how do we have an eternal mindset? You know, I, I realize that when you make a decision, the longer the perspective you have, the better the decision-making that you will actually have or make. You know, when my... Um, first batch of children, when, when Bea and Jerome were still young, maybe about nine or maybe ten and then six, uh, me and Shirley brought them to Toy Kingdom in Megamall uh, years before. And what we did was we actually gave them a hundred pesos each as a budget so that they can buy a toy for themselves that particular day. Okay? So can you imagine as a small child, you have 100 pesos, you enter this huge toy store w- w- with multi-million worth of stocks, and you are to make a decision or a choice which toy to choose, okay, or uh, the, the, the right toy to have that will actually last. So I kind of told them, okay, you have a choice. You can either spend this today or maybe save it, and maybe the next time you come here, I'm going to add so that you can have more than 100 pesos. So can you imagine, you know, that, uh, this 9-year-old and this 6-year-old are now you know, with eyes open wide, you know, looking at all these toys. It's like torture, right? Parang tinotorture ko yung mga anak ko, I have a hundred pesos, you know. It's not Anna and Andrea, by the way, because I would have given them more money, okay? That was like years ago. I would have given them uh, 150 pesos now, okay? But anyway, just kidding, okay? <laughs> Sabi ko sa Anna, okay, Bea, o oh, basta may sukli pa ako dyan, ha? No, just kidding. So, so anyway, after a few minutes, Bea came to me with this particular toy, and I said, you know, did you make the right choice? You think there's a wise investment or a wise buy for you? And she said this, you know, Daddy, I, it will make me so happy. You know, I will actually sleep with this. And I will bring this everywhere I go. You know, I'm thankful to the Lord that God has given me this. And so, you know, I want to buy this right here, right now. And so I said, are you sure? You don't want to wait. You know, I want to be able to add more money. So the next time you can actually double your money and buy a better toy. But she insisted, so I said, okay, since I gave you the promise, we bought that toy, and guess what? After two or three hours, she got tired of the toy. The next day, the toy was practically destroyed. Point of the story is, you know, this little girl, you know, of course, being a small girl, she's just consumed about what she wants at that moment. She's got a short-term perspective when it comes to toys, and she said, I might miss this opportunity, so I'd rather buy it right here, right now, instead of me waiting in the future. And how many of you know that many of us are kind of like that? When presented an opportunity right here, right now, we think that this opportunity will not come again and visit us. But in reality, 
every opportunity, there's another better opportunity that will come in the future. And if you just learn to wait, turn to the person beside you and tell that person, you wait. Wait, okay? There's more. Wait, okay? We wait. If you learn to wait, a better opportunity will come. When you look at the eternal mindset, really we're dealing with things that are lasting in value. Okay? And so I want to share three things on how to create that eternal mindset. And this all came from the scripture. Okay? First is we need to store up treasure. But the question is, where do we store up treasure? You know, maybe you're familiar with different kinds of investment, right? If you are working in the banking industry, many banks right now are actually offering different ways to invest, like UITF, mutual funds, a certificate of deposit. You can actually even invest your money in real estate or something. But, you know, are these secure ways to invest? In reality, no one, not one bank will be able to give us a promise that this bank is unsinkable or unshakable. Because even nations can actually be shaken nowadays, right? We've heard of the story of what happened to Greece and, uh, you know, declaring bankruptcy. And now EU is wanting to find ways on how it can actually be lifted out of its bankruptcy. And so even one nation like Greece, can you imagine? The Greeks during the time of the Apostle Paul were considered to be the intellectuals. But yet nowadays, 2015, they declared themselves bankrupt according to of course, EU, okay? European Union. And so even nations can be bankrupt. And we see that, you know, nowadays when we put our you know, worth or our money right here on earth, these things can actually be shaken. And so even Jesus himself gave a reminder in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. And he said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures where? On earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. So we see here two places, right? You either lay up treasures on earth, or you lay up treasures where? In heaven. Because, you know, when you put your treasures on earth, what happens is there's a big risk. And if you have maybe made an investment or maybe a bad you know, decision, you probably know that we can actually lose our money overnight. And it happened many times. Okay? And it says, where moth and rust can destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But if we put our treasures in heaven, and you may ask, Pastor, how do I lay my treasures in heaven? Do I use FedEx? Smart Padala? How, how, how do you do that? How do I lay my treasures in heaven? We're going to talk about that in a while. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know that there are no thieves in heaven, right? They're not allowed to be there, right? So we know that if we invest or if we put our treasures in heaven, it's a safe place. But the question is, how do we put our investments there? How do we put our treasure there? And then he said this further in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, show me where your treasure is and that's where your heart is going to be found. Whatever you prioritize, whatever you put your heart into, normally that reflects of the treasure that we have. You know, as I was flipping through the channels uh, one time, I was able to see this uh, reality show on, uh, on cable entitled Storage Wars. Not really sure if you're familiar with this, uh, but I think this is on Nat Geo. And this is a story of people who's actually been delinquent in paying their uh, bills for storage lockers. And I think after about three or four months, the owner of the storage lockers would actually give the authority to an auctioneer to give an auction to cash buyers. And what they would do is, they would actually open the door of the locker for about five minutes. And they will actually glance and check without even checking the details of what's inside. And they will now bid okay, an amount so that they can actually have the entire storage and check out the things that they have won. Can you imagine? The big risk, right? And I realized that, number one, one man's junk is another man's treasure. You know, there's one particular episode when I, when I saw a particular lady who got so excited because she just bought, I think, the locker for about $800. Uh, 
And then, what was inside the locker was a brand new piece of garden hose. And she was like, Woo, a garden hose! You know, I can probably enjoy my garden now. So, can you, imagine? you can just go to Ace Hardware and buy a brand new one. But yet, she got so excited. And I also realized, number two, that after so many years, we can actually accumulate a lot of junk in our own storage room as well. And how many of you are kind of like that? You find things in your house that you have not been using for the past maybe 5, 10 years. Maybe you have two or three bikes. Or maybe you have like several balls. Or say maybe uh, you still have uh, the old cassette tape from the 80s entitled Tears for Fears or something like that. Okay? And so, but you kept it because you want it. You like it. And so, you know, my, my wife is so fond of doing spring cleaning. Uh, every once in a while, I think regularly, about twice a year. And she would spring clean the house. And what she would do is, every time she would find something that has not been used for at least a year, she would just throw it away. And so I want to lock my cabinet because there's so many things inside my cabinet that I haven't been using for many years. And she, she's not even asking for my permission. But anyway, so I'm guilty as well of just keeping, storing things. You know, but... You know, the perspective really is when we store something, it's better to store things in heaven rather than to store things here on earth. Amen. So when you talk about treasure, you can't help but talk about values. Everybody say value. Can you imagine what if one day you just woke up and at the backyard in your house, you will discover that you know, that's where the Yamashita gold was buried. Mi treasure pala di ba? I mean, what's the value of that thing? Of course, that's like, uh, I don't know, if it's an old wives' tales or maybe a myth. And we've heard a lot of stories happening there. But yet, when you talk about real value or when you talk about real treasure, this particular scripture talks about storing up treasure in heaven. This is the truth. This is the reality. Many of us are actually very rich right now because of the account that we have in heaven. Amen. Tell the person beside you, tell that person, you are rich. Hindi mo lang alam, pero mayaman ka, di ba? Mayaman tayo. Okay? And so, you talk about value, there are different kinds of values. Number one, there's a market value that you're dealing with. A value is normally the amount that, you're, that the customer is willing to pay for a product or a service. So market value is the minimum amount that you're willing to pay for a commodity. There's another kind of value called economic value. Everybody say economic value. Now, I'm not an econo- economist, okay? And this is not a lecture today in terms of value. But this is just to help us appreciate, you know, what we're trying to store here and what we're trying to store up there. But when you talk about economic value, it's the maximum amount that you're actually willing to pay for a certain thing. Economic value is not static. It's very dynamic. It affects the different kinds of products. For example, if the milk prices would go up, siempre the demand would actually maybe go down a bit because they would wait for the prices to go down, right? And so, like for example, in the U.S., if the milk prices would go up, normally, it's not just the sales of milk that will be affected, but even the sales of cereals. Bababarin yung sales. So that's what economic value is all about. It affects other things, okay? There's another value that's called book value. Okay, for those of you who are an accountant, you know this, right? This is not the value of your library. Okay? This is the value of the assets that you have that has been there in depreciated form. Like, for example, if you own a car and it's in the books for five years, normally they depreciate an asset for about five years. So in the books, after five years, the value in the book is zero, but you still are driving the car. Did the car disappear? Ninamane. Pero sa libro mo, zero na yon. So what they do, some companies, if they have a car plan, they would sell the same car to the customer, I mean to the employee, and the employee will pay for that, but in reality, the company will gain already because in their books, it's already zero. So whatever amount they pay, it's already profit for the company. So that's book value. The next value is intrinsic value. This is the value that you put because of the person that gave you this thing. For example, uh, when I went to when I went to Tagaytay uh, years ago, I was invited to stay overnight with my family, and the owner of the house happened to have this uh, piece of piano that, for me, it's considered junk. 
already. I mean, nakakadiri talaga yung piano. I don't even want to go near the piano. But yet, I was polite to ask, you know, why don't you dispose this piano? What he told me was, it's very interesting because he said, I can't because it's a family heirloom. It's actually a four-generation piano already. It was my great-grandmother that gave us this piano, and right now it's here in the house, and maybe it'll be passed on to the next generation. So when you talk about intrinsic value, for me, I consider it as junk, but for him, it's priceless. The most important kind of value is what you call eternal value. Ever say eternal value? Eternal value is something that you use to advance the kingdom of God and to bless other people. So for example, if I go to McDonald's and pay for a happy meal and eat my dinner there, okay, that has no eternal value. Because what I did was, even if I get the Happy Meal toy, it has no eternal value, right? Because what I did was, I only used the money to benefit myself and enjoy the dinner. But, if I go to the same McDonald's, and I brought in a poor fellow who has not eaten in five days, and I bought the same Happy Meal so that he can actually have dinner that evening, what do you call that? It's actually being generous to the poor, and that has eternal value. I paid for the same amount, went to the same store, but yet this amount benefited not me but another person. And in Matthew 25, it says, last week we talked about that, whatsoever you do to the least of these brothers of mine, that you do it to me. To whom? To Christ. So when you give to the other, what happens is you've passed down an eternal value using the resource that you have, same amount, but yet, it's valuable in the eyes of God. Amen. And I believe that all of us have something that we can actually use that will actually impact eternity. Like for example, how many of you like to sing? Please raise your hand. I'm not talking about you having a nice voice, okay? Just like to sing, okay? Because Filipinos love to sing, right? And so, if you can sing, for example, and if you're singing in the shower, Okay? And if you are, you know, making a joyful noise in the morning, instead of blessing your neighbor, you're actually bringing a curse, okay, to, to them. There's no value there. We're not even talking about money here. Okay? But what if you stand here on stage, you audition for the music team, and you're leading worship, and then you brought the people in the presence of God, and you're, le- you're using your gifts, your talents, your abilities to bless the body of Christ that has eternal value. Amen. How many of you think that you have something that will have an eternal value to bless the Lord? That's all of us. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise? I believe that's all of us. We have something to give and we can actually enrich others that can actually advance the kingdom of God. You know, the world created its own value system. There's, so, there's a different value system that the world has and a value system that the kingdom of God has. You know, if I show you this picture, you're familiar with this picture. What is, it? What is this? It's a diamond. How many of you women would like to have one like this? They said right, that a diamond is a woman's best friend. Right? How many of you know that? Buti pa kayo, diamond ang best friend nyo. Ang mga men, dog ang best friend. Okay? Dog is a man's best friend. But anyway, so... So, kayo, diamond, okay? And what they say is, diamonds are forever. That it's kind of like a lasting investment. But if you dig deeper, and if you do a research, the origin of diamond, the first use of diamond was in the 1800s, and they're used as a, uh, you know, as a sturdy material in order for them to be able to shape tools and axe. It's not even considered a precious gem at that time. They used diamond in order to sharpen the edge of the axe. That's the use of the diamonds. But yet, there's one particular company that changed the mindset and did a marketing campaign worldwide about diamonds. And I think you're familiar with this company called De Beers. Okay? They practically monopolized the diamond industry back in the 1940s. Uh, they've heavily invested in Botswana in, uh, in South Africa. 
I think about 80% of everything, the production of diamond was there, and they marketed it. And in fact, what they did was they marketed it in such a way that they would say that the diamond is actually the best way to express your love to your spouse. Thus, the production of the engagement ring. And they went to the different high schools and are talking to the girls, almost like an aspiration to these young ladies that when you are going to get engaged in the future, this is the least that you can expect from your fiancé to give you a diamond ring. But in reality, the market was actually just made up by this, by this uh, company. Okay? And so even today, if you look at the scarcity of this jewel, okay, it's not really that scarce. But they somehow control the volume that's released so that the price can still be up there. If you look at this precious stone, for example, we consider this a precious stone. But in reality, you will not find this in one of the stones in the book of Revelation that are considered costly stones. If you turn to the book of Revelation chapter 21, it says, The foundations of the city walls are decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was what? Jasper. The second? Sapphire. So if you have a sapphire, keep it, okay? The third, Chalcedony. The fourth, Emerald. The fifth, Sardonyx. Sixth, Carnelian. And then seventh, Chrysolite. Eighth, Beryl. Ninth, Topaz. Tenth, Chrysophrase. The eleventh, Jacinth. And the twelfth, Amethyst. Where's the diamond? It's not even here. What's precious there is not even precious here. What's precious here is not even precious there. In fact, in verse 21, it says, The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. Have you ever seen a pearl at, as big as a gate? Antindin ito. You may have a pearl right now. If you're a lady, maybe you're wearing an earring right now. But this is different. Each pearl, each gate is made of one single pearl. And the great street of the city was of? Pure gold. So, biblical ang pure gold pag namimili kayo doon, di ba? <laughs> Walang SNR eh. Pure gold lang, okay? Like transparent glass. And can you imagine, when you're walking on the streets of heaven, gold is just your regular pavement. It's dust. We value gold so much, we'll kill for gold here on earth. But in heaven, it's, com- it's a common, common commodity that they use to pave heavens. You know, what is the real value that we need to keep and what is real treasure that we need to store? Even John D. Rockefeller said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Money can't buy you happiness. The poorest man I know is the man who has nothing but money. Now, how many of you suddenly became rich right now because you have other things aside from money and credit card, right? You have friends, you have a church, you have family. And you're rich. So, you can mayaman ka. Okay, mayaman tayo. Henry Ford said this. And he's the founder of Ford Motors. I was happier doing a mechanic's work. It's not about owning things and owning a conglomerate or owning a lot of stuff. It's doing what you're called to do. And really fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. One particular missionary who was martyred in Ecuador by the name of Jim Elliot said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Naintindihan niyo ba yun? Hindi, okay? Ako rin, hindi ko masyado naintindihan. Pero maganda, maganda pakinggan eh, okay? Sorry, British kasi kaya malalim, okay? He is no fool who gives or releases what he cannot keep anyway in order for you to gain what you can never lose. Nakuha nyo na. Hindi pa rin. Okay. Let's move. Na. Nakuha na natin lahat. Second, is we need to put on a good foundation for the future. Good foundation. You know, if you're an architect or a builder, we all know that when you start a house, you don't start with the walls, you don't start with the, with the ceiling or the roof, you always start with the foundation. The foundation is the most important structure of the house because it keeps the house sturdy and so that it will not be shaken. Okay? Um, and what we're doing is when you are conscious about laying 
treasures in heaven, you are putting in a good foundation for your future. Yes, we are all going to be in heaven, right? If you are saved, you're going to be in heaven. But the question is, if you're going to be in heaven, marami ka bang naipon doon? What kind of you know, legacy will you have in heaven? That's, a, that's basically the question. I remember this guy. Remember this guy? Maximus, the gladiator. And he said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What you do here actually has really eternal impact. We're not conscious about it. Every time you give, every time you serve, every time you use your talent to bless other people, every time you use your talent to advance the kingdom of God, what you're doing is actually echoing in eternity. You're making a deposit in the future. It's not a dead you know, uh, exercise of goodness that you have. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're giving a portion of yourself and you're making a deposit that will be credited to your account in the future. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10 says, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This is Abraham. When Abraham was told by God in Genesis chapter 12 to leave your country, your father's household, and go to a land I will show you, basically he obeyed the Lord. He was moving forward into the what they call Canaan, which is the promised land for the Israelites. But in reality, it's not really Canaan that he's looking for. Because he knows that when he dies, he's not going to get Canaan with him. He's going to leave it with his descendants. What he's looking for is a city whose architect and builder is God. And he's referring already about eternal dwelling place. And this is referring to heaven. You fast forward a bit in verse 16 and it says, Instead, they were longing for a better country. Everybody say better country. A heavenly one. How many of you wish you have a better country? You know, how many of you are proud that you are Filipinos? Yes, diba? Amen. Pag buhat-buhat niyo yung passport niyo, tapos numili niya kayo sa immigration na ibang bansa, talagang dapat proud to be Pinoy. Diba? You flash it. I'm a Pinoy. Diba? Dapat ganun eh. But yet sometimes, diba, because of what's happening in our country, you know, how we wish we have a different nationality or a different government or different something like that. But actually, in reality, we're all not permanent citizens here. We're permanent citizens of heaven. Amen. That we belong to a country that is more stable, that cannot be shaken, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. You and I are citizens of that country. We're citizens of heaven. That's why if we're citizens of heaven, we are merely strangers here on earth. And the attitude that we should have is that we need to loosen up on our grip when it comes to the possessions that we have. Kailangan wag basadong mahigpit ang hawak. Kailangan hindi pwedeng ganito ng ganito. Akin to. Enjoyin ko to. Paparami ako ng ganito. Papalagin ko lahat sila. Diba? Hindi pwedeng ganun. You know, it's about loosening up a bit and realizing that, Lord, you can take this anytime. Or you can add more to it because you are the owner anyway. And I'm a mere steward of your money. Amen? And so, when you look forward to a better city, you know, you're going to be heaven-bound. You know, what if today you found out that you have 30 days to live? Si Pastor Rai sabi niya isang linggo. Ako, 30 days naman ako, okay? How many of you will actually make your 30 days count? Kung maralaman mo, diba, na ngayon, 30 days na lang ibubuhay mo sa mundong to. What will you do? Will you actually try to expand your business? Dodoblihin ko to para mas marami akong kita, di ba? Or, would you now try to fix your relationships? And you'll realize that you, I need to spend more time with my family. I need to prepare my legacy in 30 days. The Bible says in Psalm 90, it says, Teach us to number our days aright, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And if you know that our days are numbered, guess what? Every single day, you're going to make it count. There's a song that came out about a few years ago that in, that's entitled, um, Live Like We're Dying. I forgot the author. I forgot the composer. But it's kind of, you know, fresh. I'll ask Pastor Jonathan to sing it if he's here. Anyway, it's living as if we're dying. And if we have a perspective of our life here is temporary. Everybody say temporary. Yeah. 
then we will live lives that are wise and calculated in making every opportunity count to the glory of God. Amen. Chapter 12 of verse 27, 28, it says, The word, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. I mentioned earlier that somehow when you do good things, you are crediting to your account. And this was even quoted by the Apostle Paul when he was writing to the Philippians. And he said this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, not that I am looking for a gift. In fact, he was clarifying to them, Don't, I'm not receiving an offering. What I am looking forward is that what can be credited to your account. He was basically talking about that when we do something that is out of generosity, that you have a credit to your account. You know, even the Bible says, you know, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. You know, if we give to the poor, that's the only thing in the Scripture that talks about God owing us something. If you are kind to the poor, you lend to the Lord. How many of you know that God is a debtor to no one? But there's this only one Scripture that if we step out and bless another person, God is obligating Himself to pay us back and bless us. And it's kind of like that, you know, and I know that we don't do good things so that we can have something because we need to check our motives. But yet the reality is that is another way of us being credited to our account. When we sow, when we bless other people, and when we impact other people's lives. Amen? Howard Dayton said this, The only currency of value in heaven is our present service and generous giving to God's kingdom. That's the currency that's recognized in heaven. There's no peso, no dollars, no NT, no no uh, R&B. It's generosity. It's service. It's giving of ourselves to others. It's using our time, our talents, our treasure, our tongue, encouraging other people. And I believe that as you do that, you are constantly adding to your account in heaven. Definitely, when you talk about generosity, generosity has eternal impact. Everybody say eternal impact. Turn to the person beside you and tell that person, that's why be generous. My last point, as I prepare to close, is we need to take hold of what is truly life. Take hold of what is truly life. And as you go back to verse 19, it says, Thus storing up treasure from themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You know, it means that there is something that we need to take hold of in order for us to move forward. And as we take hold of something, we need to actually loosen up on other things. You know, this take hold is actually, uh, they use this uh, Greek word, epilambanomai. Okay? Everybody say those words with me, this word. Epilambanomai. Wow, parang shomai, no? Epilambanomai which means to take hold of in order to make one's own, in order to make it your own. You're actually holding on to it as if it's your own. And the Apostle Paul used the same kind of word in the previous verse when he said this, Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, what he's saying is, as you take hold of something, you are to loosen up on something as well. In fact, in this same chapter, he was describing how he's being poured out as a drink offering and that he was getting ready for his departure. This word departure means being loosened as if the boat is about to leave the dock and you're loosening the rope. Kumbaga parang niluluwagan mo na so that the boat can be on its way to its journey. Another meaning of the word departure is to unchain a prisoner. And that's how the Apostle Paul would look at his departure here because he's about to leave and go to his permanent dwelling place, which is in heaven. As you hold on to something, you are to loosen your grip on something else. Luke chapter 16, verse 11 says, If you then have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth or in worldly mammon, 
Who will trust you with true riches? The true riches that the Bible is describing is not really the wealth, and we know that. It's relationship. It's eternal life. It's the grace of God. It's faith. It's the presence of God. Those are the true riches that he is talking about. As I prepare to close, you know, I remember the story of two rich men that had an encounter with Jesus. You know, earlier in the series, we've been talking about, you know, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, command those who are rich not to put their hope in wealth. And he even said, you know, those who desire to be rich will fall into a temptation. And so there's something about rich men. But yet we have two stories in the Bible that had an encounter with Christ. The first one being this rich young ruler. And how many of you are familiar with the story of the rich young ruler? Right? You know, Luke chapter 18, we, we know that this rich young ruler is probably one good guy in the Bible. If you have a daughter, maybe this is one guy that you would like your daughter to marry. He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. <laughs> and he approached the Lord one time and he said, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? He's interested in coming to the Lord. He's interested in the things of God. And then Jesus told him, okay, you must do this. And he basically enumerated some of the things in the Ten Commandments. And this rich young ruler basically replied by saying, all of this I have done since I was a boy. And then what did Jesus tell him? Okay, since you've done that, here's what you need to do. Sell all you have and give to the poor and then come and follow me. And he was disappointed because he was so rich. Another guy that encountered Christ was a chapter after. And his name was Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a rich tax collector. People hated him. In contrary to the rich young ruler, he was prominent. This tax collector was hated by people because he would enrich himself by collecting taxes, remit to Caesar, and keep a lot for himself as well. But when he heard that Jesus was going through that town, he went up the sycamore tree to have a glimpse and encounter with Christ. When Jesus saw him, he said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I will go to your house and dine with you. And he was so excited. And basically, that was the encounter between him and Christ. Young ruler's response in verse 23 of chapter 18, when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. He was not capable of letting go of the things that he owned in order to take hold of the things that is truly life. But yet we see that in the after chapter, Zacchaeus' response was quite different, totally the opposite of the rich young ruler. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to whom? To the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold or four times. He's not just giving interest. He's paying back four times. So if he owes you 100, he'll give you 400. He won't just give you 150. And he was willing to lose everything that he had in order for him to gain Christ. Different approach. And this is the response of Christ. And Jesus said to him, today, everybody say today. Today, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. Amen. And I believe that God will use our resource, our possession, and even use that as a test. Where we are, where's our allegiance? If we're willing to let go of this and take hold of that which is truly life. My last point as I close is live with eternity in mind. This is the main point, our takeaway. You always live in eternity in mind. As you live in eternity in mind, you realize that time is short and that you've got to make every investment in order for you to be able to lay up treasure in heaven and enrich and be a blessing and advance the kingdom of God. Amen? Can we just bow our heads right now as you come to a close? Would you kindly lay your hands on your heart all across this room? Father, we just humble ourselves before you today. We realize that all of us 
have a problem with this. Without any exception, many times we think about the temporal things, the things of this world, the things that are fleeting. But Lord, my prayer, God, is that you would change our hearts and that you would change the focus of our minds and our, and our spiritual eyes, Lord, that we will actually look more into heaven. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you have raised us in Christ, Lord God, that we are to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, to set our minds on the things above and not on earthly things. And Father, I pray, God, that you would free us from the love of money, Lord. And even as you desire for us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing, I pray, God, that you would prepare our hearts for that, Lord. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for your forgiveness. We cry out for your grace, Lord God. Lord, even Jesus, after he encountered that rich young ruler, he said, with man this is impossible, but with God nothing is impossible. It's only you can change a human heart, Lord. And even right now, we ask for the grace of God to change us from inside out so that we can, Lord, number our days aright. Give us your wisdom, Lord, so that we can continue to lay up treasures in heaven. In Jesus' name. As we continue to pray right now, as your head is bowed down, eye closed. If you are here today, you may put your hand down. And let's continue to just have an attitude of prayer. If you are here this evening, and if you want to receive Jesus Christ, so take hold. Kind of like what Zacchaeus took hold of when Jesus visited him. He was willing to take hold of that life, which is truly life. And today, I believe Jesus is inviting you to come and have a relationship with him. And if you're that person, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive the life that is truly life, eternal life, I want you to quickly raise up your hand right now so that I can pray for you. Anyone at all, just lift it up. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, lift up your hand right now. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand, sir. God bless you. Lift it up. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Don't be embarrassed. This is between you and God. This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. I made this decision about 29 years ago. And no turning back. I'm serving the Lord. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else? Let's just wait a few more seconds. Yes, sir. God bless you. I see that hand. If you're raising up your hand, I want you to just pray this prayer out loud. In fact, why don't we all join in as we pray together? Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I confess that I need you. I confess that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Thank you for offering your life as a penalty for my sins. I confess with my lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that He is raised from the dead. Thank you for giving me forgiveness. Thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Give you Lord praise for these people. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.